Shabbat Shalom, everyone, Shabbat and Shabbat. welcome. We're on chapter 39. I'm going to quote my favorite film, uh, The Meaning of Life, uh, and say this. Sex, sex, sex. Where were we now? Do you remember that scene? Anyway, we're going to be in PG-14 territory. Everyone's over the age of 14 here. Good. Well, um, in some sense, I guess. <laughs> and I will uh, bury, I won't bury the lead. I'll be very mm-hmm. explicit here. This is the ch- an intermezzo chapter, much like an opera when you have act or act two, scene one in Shakespeare. This is a side accounting of Joseph's story. But the reason that uh, Joseph, here we do this, and then chapter right before 38, we have the story of Tamar and Judah. These are both sexual liaisons in part to keep, I think, us interested and engaged. I don't know if anybody's been in Hollywood or films. (laughs) This stuff sells. But in this current context, and I want to say this with full heart, I I want to take this very seriously. This is a story of both uh, male and female power. So we have to be very sensitive here to that. This is a hashtag Me Too moment of the biblical proportions. We're about to read Potiphar's story. And then third, that I want to say that this is all layered in our current context. So one is just the gravity of uh, the situation of sex and power that we're going to be reading. Two is uh, the story of... uh, of Judah and Tamar that precedes this, which is a very powerful story that we're not going to be addressing today. But the third piece is, uh, this is Gesundheit, may you have health and life. Uh, This is also a story of um, a compromised immigrant who was put in a slave uh, caste. Meanwhile, he was a Hebrew. And the Midrash is very clear on this, that everyone knew he was someone of dignity and respect, that he did not seem like a slave, that the Ishmaelites uh, sold to Potiphar and Potiphar, uh, his wife. Those are the three major themes that are going on within the Genesis story. This is a story about how Joseph and his brothers come back to terms after uh, his coat of many colors or striped coat, actually, was ripped from him. And therefore, Potiphar, uh, his wife, we're going to read, rips his mantle. There's a lot of parallelisms. So uh, this is not therapy. um, And yet I do want to be very I'm trying to uh, acknowledge trigger potential triggers in this story because we can be very kind of jokeful about, oh, my gosh, it's a great scene. Act two, scene one, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And yet it is an intense story uh, about piety, um, about virtue. um, And I think about blessing and God. Um, And that's where I want to begin. So we're on chapter 39, and I'm going to denigrate the English language again and again here, because when you read, Vayosef Hurad Mitzrayimah. So it says, Joseph was brought down. Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Edinger. Welcome. There's seats around the table. And we're on chapter 39. Yosef Hurad Mitzrayma. If anybody remembers uh, from two weeks ago, what does it mean when you say not Mitzrayim, but Mitzrayma? 
towards Egypt? Is that a geographic? Is that a, a directional? Or is that a metaphor? Take a guess. Hurad Mitzrayma. He descended Egypt word. Right? And Buzz went down to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it, it's saying it right here that he is dealing with very different circumstances. And remember, he was sold to either Ishmaelites or Midianites. Uh, just in this, this story right before, he was already pretty low. Then he is taken downward Egypt word. Va'yiknehu and was acquired and Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officers, you say where I am, chapter 39, page 220, Saris Paro. Anybody know uh, the uh, Purim story, the story of Esther? Do you remember all of the Sarisim, the guards? What are they also called? What are they also called? Mm-hmm. Eunuchs. Poti- uh, this is very important. I mean, it's it's just an officer. Do you see where we are? Uh, chapter 30, uh, 39, verse 1. He's the head of both the eunuchs. So he's also Sarha Now, what is a Tabach in Hebrew? Tabach? Anybody? Uh, butcher. He's the head of the, and these guys aren't butchers. He's the head of the eunuchs, mm-hmm. and he's the head of the slaughterers. Okay? So Is think Swiss. There? Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much. Very much that the eunuchs were the guards. Now, another one of my favorite movies, History of the World Part 1. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi Brooks, for his genius. This, do you remember uh, when... Uh, uh, there are all of the eunuchs there and there's one he pretends not to be a eunuch and yet he's clearly a eunuch and these are all of the now that's a Roman context this is an anachronism but that's the setup in the first line he's descending to moral depravity in a context of moral depravity and who picks him not only the head of all of the eunuchs and uh, Ish Mitri he is an Egyptian they're really being specific and he is also who reduhu shama, okay? Who brought him down there? Do you see? There's a double descent. Mm-hmm. We're going down. We're going down. Yes. Michael, just in the historical context, were eunuchs always made eunuchs to keep them from being attracted or able to do anything with women, to keep them more docile? To so it did. It does power. not. So absolutely, it's the actual. This is a oh, much yeah. longer conversation. No, they're not docile. Uh, to be castrated like that actually can can increase your testosterone. It has. It's not having its natural but they mechanism. Have no power. Um, about it, really. Well, they sexually. have no sexual power. And there, if you are the head of the eunuchs and you are the wife of Potiphar and he is the head of the eunuchs the metaphor is clear this is Potiphar's wife who is trying to ensnare Joseph now was it done was it was it done to 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 control 
Well, it's absolutely a mechanism of control and also a mechanism of slavery. It's also a child-rearing mechanism because often these were the guards. Now we're in a different historical Mm -hmm. context, not Egypt, but in the harem. Later in the Islamic period, this was about making sure that they don't sleep with your wives. And sire... Uh, other people. This is now, okay, so if you thought I was getting into R, now we're into NC-17, okay? Vayhi Adonai et Yosef. Now, we're on verse 2. Uh, let's, before I get into the real risque stuff. So, someone read the English for me on verse 2. But Yudhei Vavhei was with Joseph. And now I'm going to read the Hebrew. Vayhi Adonai et Yosef. Does it say, and God was with Joseph? It's not even an and, right? It's a mis... If you really read the translation right, Vayhi Adonai Yosef, and Joseph was God. At Yosef. Yeah. He was none other than the imprimatur of divinity. Now, now I'm going to get... Hmm? Yeah, in reconstructioning by, by a text, he clearly was, and the Midrash is very clear about this. Potiphar knew it. Potiphar's wife knew it. They wanted to cohabitate. Remember, Abraham, this is going back to the Abraham story. The head of Egypt, the king of Egypt, really did want to sleep with Abraham's wife, and Abraham was trying to set that all up. They love God. God's a here. Adonai is a super. Is a super deity within this context. But, by he Adonai Yosef, and he was God, it's almost he was Godded. Do you see that? God is a verb, right? This is a real, real, real interesting uh, mistranslation. Uh, was with Joseph. Now, is it a mistranslation, or is it that Joseph was in a place where he um, could have divinity so sitting next to him already Im- implies a guiding. Joseph can be walking the earth or Yes. Guiding. Got him. He is. And he's a diviner. And it really is in part of his dreams. This is a real challenge. Like, is God descending on him like Jacob? Remember the ladder coming up and down. God was on him. Now, Joseph, it's internalized. And so within this is a real beautiful, uh, not just metaphor, I think this is not a metaphor, this is that Joseph was divine. And so his coat and his all the externalities of divinity, of priesthood, really were manifest in this text. This is the narrative, this is not what we see, this is telling us God is not with just with Joseph, but Joseph is divine. So not only someone who can tell the future, uh, he was the moral arbiter of this world in Egypt. That Joseph had not just God with him, but it is telling us that God is part of him. He was God-like. I won't... More than that. I'm taking out the like. More like Jesus. So that is, yes, uh, perhaps, but yeah, walking on earth, walking divinity, which is so interesting. But unlike Jesus, which unless you want to do the later stuff with Mary Magdalene and whether he was there, he is in this priest and prophet kind of mode of being in a very uncomfortable place and being in, and I want to just be 
even starker about it, agent of the divine. Now, so are other previous patriarchs beings described as? No, this is really, because as I said, Abraham is being taken out, he is being, there's a revelation there, Isaac, no, we don't hear God in Isaac, let alone with Isaac, he's just walking in the, in the, in the fields, Jacob is forced, as he's fleeing, to like, hey, hey, hold on, God is on top of you. And Joseph, and uh, I can say this for a moment, some people radiate it, radiate a sense of chen, they re- chen, grace. What has he done to deserve it? Ah. What have any of them done to deserve this? What does a child do to deserve that kind of love from a mother? Or his, or his dreaming powers, yeah. or his, oh, he's just gorgeous. Okay, let's just stop for a second. He's beautiful. He's pretty. I mean, we're going to get there. That's the next paragraph. All right. I haven't even gotten to the NC-17 stuff yet, George. So just wait. Just wait. It's coming. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> because now his, the master saw that Adonai was with him. But now do you see that there's more power in the Hebrew to say Joseph was God, Joseph was divine, but the Egyptian master saw that Adonai was with him. And what did that mean? What did it mean to see that God was with him? That whatever Joseph did, he would prospering whatever he touched. So now we have a Midas thing. But so then for, for the Egyptian side, for Potiphar, it is outcome-based. What is successful? Meanwhile, was Joseph in the last chapters necessarily successful? No, he was thrown in a pit. His brothers are really... So it's into slavery and and into slavery, which is really the uh, kind of foreshadowing of the the Exodus and the Egypt story. So, and I just I I, I yes, Mike, aren't you possibly overreading? This? Oh, absolutely! I'm going on a limb here. It's, no, it's certainly common that an Egyptian could look at a Hebrew and have a godlike feeling about him. Another Hebrew wouldn't look at that in any way near like So this is... So let's just... Historically, we just got Joseph and his brothers. Like magical powers. You must have God in you to have these But what's, what's extraordinary about it... Welcome. There's plenty of room, always. Yeah? But, yeah. What's extraordinary is... And, and the reason I'm over-reading it is we're reading it with modern eyes. How could he be God? How could he be a divine? And on the Egyptian side, we're thinking of vis-a-vis Exodus, which is like, my God's better than your God. In Genesis, it wasn't my God's better than your God. It was a co-opting kind of situation. It was the ziggurat that we talked about. Hey, come join the pantheon. And there's, and there's kind of uh, uh, suggestion, and this is on the limb, Egypt liked our God more than even their own gods. Yeah. yeah. And now you can say, yeah, yeah, no problem, but that's pretty big for knowing what we know of Exodus and slavery and the hard work and labor 
And this I just want to say, and this is why uh, welcome everyone. We're on chapter 39. Um, we're doing the Potiphar, Eshet Potiphar's story, the wife of Potiphar. And when I see, you know, the faces uh, of people who were sold from one to another, from the Ishmaelites to the Midianites, and as we're reading these stories about the current uh, kind of situation, I'm not talking about security and borders and walls. What I'm talking about are these individuals, almost 5,000 individuals. I don't know, you look at their hand. I'm looking at pictures. I'm really trying to empathize in the way that we can. I actually, you know, there's a, a clothing drive. They need clothes uh, from young boys. That in particular, they need boys, adolescent boys. I'm like, bingo! Um, the, now, it's, I don't want to be physiognomy, and I'm not trying to get political, but these are not, sla- these are not necessarily far low-caste farmers. These are, these are human beings that are coming from all different walks of life, from El Salvador, Honduras, etc. So the reason I'm reading this story and I see that in there is that I really am trying to say these, these, these people have exceptional human character to be able to do this journey and to be sold and sold again while it seems like it makes no sense in our in our text context if I look, read the paper it, it makes a lot of sense to me there was one coyote from this guy and then he turned from this coyote to this coyote I mean, these are the sto- this is this is not so foreign to our current situation but back to sex I have a question about yes. the English that's not foreign either verse 3 it says his master saw that uh, God was with him and that God was prospering wherever he touched. That God was successful through in his hand. You're right. It's not about Joseph, in a sense. I mean, is that what... It, what what were you, what what is interesting well, no, to you? The, the no. question of whether whether it's Joseph or God or a combination of the two or God working working through Joseph or it's a little combo. Yeah, I just didn't actually totally understand the English. No, How you could say uh, God was prospering? Whatever he touched, right? Adonai prospering. God right. doesn't prosper. God, that's a human. It's not a verb. Right, prospering. So I mean, that's why the the context is very. I, can't say I, I you can't say I, well, I am prospering. Yeah, I guess maybe that God that whatever he did was showing God. Maybe Welcome, Audrey. That God was enriching whatever he touched. I'm not sure what it says in English, yeah. but what does it say in Hebrew? The whole Asher Huose and all that who he does. Adonai succeeds well (laughs) everything that he does Adonai matzliach beyado Adonai is uh, smooth the path matzliach and tzalachat to come from the plate and success are the same word so in Hebrew hatzlacha means that your path is smooth may your path be smooth and we also know this in real life, the halo effect, perhaps. Uh, I'm just really seeing him as a pretty, uh, just such a beautiful child that just doors open up. Just doors open up. Had the magic. Yeah. Well, yeah. And back to the brothers. 
the tremendous jealousy that you can have from that. That 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 builds a tremendous animosity. And then what did he do? He's just a, he's a pretty beautiful child who has these beautiful dreams. Oh, why does he always get the best slice of cake? Okay, <laughs> I didn't have that problem. But uh, again, sex, yeah. sex, sex. Okay. Four. Four, chapter four. Uh, verse four. Vayimsa Yosef chen be'enav, and he saw, and Joseph found favor in his eyes. And he put him in authority over his household and placed all that he had in his hand. Now, now, okay, you ready, George, for the NC-17? <laughs> He's the head of what? Potiphar. He's the head of who? Whom? Eunuchs. Okay. He puts Joseph in charge of all of his household, which would be the head of all the eunuchs. What are we supposed to imply from that fact? Either... Or the eunuchs, the eunuchs aren't necessarily in his household. He's in charge of the eunuchs. The eunuchs may be someplace else. The household presumably... Separate. Oh, okay. So he's just, he's at the villa. But like work job, he's not in charge of the work job. So I'm, I'm trying to, I, I know I'm on okay. a ledge here. Okay. And, and I got Midrash to back me. So I'm, I got, yeah, it's a good story. Okay. What are we implying here? Because he certainly didn't snip, snip Joseph. Because we know he has Osnati. He gets married. And he has two kids. But what is the implication? Perhaps this is where the midrash goes. That he is the head of the eunuchs. Therefore, he was that beautiful asexual child. Well, did he make him head of the eunuchs or head of the household? They're not the same. Well, depends how you d- d- define Beto. He could be chief of staff. I mean, he's going to be part of organization. Yeah, I'm just saying, but then, but the staff... Household and owned yeah. already owned. Right. And at that point, they know why. Well, why would you lay it up so clearly that he's Potiphar, Saris Paro, Sarat Abachim, that he's the head of these guys? This is where the Midrash goes, and I'm just going to tell you there are two Midrash. And it's very interesting because one comes from Babylonia. You know, there's the Babylonian Talmud and the Jerusalem Talmud. So the stories from the Jerusalem Talmud, they were not wealthy. They were in a much meeker place within uh, the Middle Eastern world. The Babylonian Jews were quite successful. They had tremendous yeshivas, and they built these. And they were much, much yangier. So that the Yang says that they he, that he hid his force. Remember, he's seventeen at this time, so he's just coming into his own adulthood. The Babylonian midrash talks about how he has to, and because we're about to have this kind of sexual dalliance with Potiphar's wife, that he had to hide his. Uh, sexual ferocity whereas the Eretz Yisrael says that this is an incredible midrash and forgive me if I can't quote it fluently it's very convoluted in midrash have you ever read a kind of how Rabbi Bahu says when Leah was about to have Dina Dina was going to be a male oh by the way this is predicated in the Talmud Brachot 60a uh, you are not I love this this is one of my favorite lines if you're, someone is pregnant you can't pray after 30 days for a boy or a girl. Prayer in vain. Oh, wow. It's a prayer in vain. Tis what it is. Now, mm-hmm. in this current parlance about gender identity, I, I, we can challenge that somewhat. And yet, 
Joseph here is being seen as beautiful and in some ways asexual up to this point and the Midrash goes crazy with this and says Dina was supposed to be a male but Leah realized that if Dina was a male and between uh, Zilpah her handmaiden that would be too many men and therefore Dina was switched to a woman so that Joseph who was supposed to be a woman became a man how old was Joseph in 17 in this story and we know that. So is being asexual that unusual at 17? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know any 17-year-old okay. boys? <laughs> and that's before, that's before milks with hormone. I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah, but, but if you, we, I've been to Egypt a few times uh-huh. Uh-huh. and seen a lot of pictures of royalty and like, kings. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the, um, the pharaohs and everybody, the, the, the figures are all made up with eyeliner and eyeliner. So, so this is a common thing absolutely and we're going to get that in just a few lines uh, I don't want to skip because it's so good from the time he gave him authority over all his household and, and as Amy said and all that he owned which is clearly trying to say this is not just domestic I think uh, Adonai blessed the house of the Egyptian on the account of Joseph. The blessing of God was on all that he owned in his house. And as long as Joseph was with him in the house, and in the field, and he left all that was in Joseph, and he left all was his in Joseph's hands. Now it says, He didn't leave out even a morsel except his bread that he ate. Now, that's a metaphor, except the food, the Midrash is very clear, except his own loaf, which is his wife. So, it's setting you up for this very awkward scene of a pretty boy. Someone who is very much in the Valley of the King style. And the Midrash, and remember, I'm conflating here, uh, both the Midrash and this straight text. So that Joseph, on the one hand, according to the Babylonian Talmud, is a total stud. <laughs> who is dressing like the dress, like a lot of bling, you know, totally too... Yeah, hot. But not like that nasty 6'9 guy who's in no. prison now. But, but yes, beautiful. And, and definitely John doing... Mayer. Hmm? John Mayer. Derek. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or any of the, or any of the Jonas Brothers. But <laughs> in the younger age. Sorry, I'm, I'm not hip as, as you. So, but then in Eretz Yisrael, this Midrash was even more, I think, more extreme to say... Why would you? Don't be such a schmo, Potiphar. Why are you going to leave some young stud with your wife and you are head of eunuchs? She is. This is going to blow. And Eretz Yisrael says, no. He was not that guy. 
And there is a lot to be said. Now, this is where I get really risque, uh, challenging, which is the feminine side of God's divinity is clear here for me that it is about dreaming and it is not about the affective beauty, but it is about hearing people's other side, what is not manifest. And the yin side of Joseph really comes clear to me here. And we'll get and and we'll get to that. Cause Vahi Yosef Yafetoar Vyafemare. So now who now I'm on the uh, next paragraph, it says verse six, but second. Would someone read that? Now Joseph happened to be fair. Yes. <coughs> now Joseph happened to be fair of form and fair of appearance. He's yeah. hot and good looking. What's the problem? What's the redundancy there? Okay, I get it. He's hot. <laughs> but why is he also good looking? Hmm? Oh no, please. There's a difference between form and appearance. Okay, thank you. Right. Body. That's the easy question. The body is your form, right? Oh, so you think he's got a hot face he's hot a gorgeous face and great body. Okay, maybe. <laughs> All right, let's now back to what you were talking about. Valley of the Kings. And just let's go back. Is anybody seeing the Tutankhamun again? I remember when a kid in the 80s, you got to go back. I mean, it's a little Hollywood. They did a little too much LED blingy stuff. But, I mean, just these scarabs and seeing some of the beauty, the amount of time that they would doll up. And this, the Midrash again, goes, goes off on this. Joseph started to feel comfortable. You know, and remember, he wore his striped tunic. He was, uh, he liked his stuff, but now he's at Caruso, and he's at Fleur de Mall, and he's really, really starting to doll himself up. He went to Mac. He, he did. No, I'm saying, literally, they say that he wore mascara, and mascara coal, the charcoal in the eyes, as you're... You see that all the time, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then if you think just back to Nefertiti, her beauty, that simplistic beauty of that, do you know what I'm talking about? The bust of Nefertiti was one of my favorite uh, pieces of art of all time. Uh, Simple, plain. But then you talk about the dolled up. So this is where the Midrash is saying Joseph is losing his godliness. Because remember, we began the story with Hurad Mitzrayimah. He's going down. He's going down. He was already... So this is now I want to say in the Midrash, and I, th- I think shot of the text, he was gorgeous. Why are you dolling yourself up? Or as my tribe called Quest, get your contact out your eye, you're far from looking fly, you get an Ifa Efa, a Tifa nice try. Which is to say, why are you doing that? I mean, haven't we talked? Could you give us the Hebrew for that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 what with you? And I, look, I, I have young boys, so I, I can't speak to this so much. Although I can't, you know, it's not gel, but like, you're, you're so beautiful. <laughs> it's so... Is it, um, I'm just curious, because there's this fact that goes on between um, Joseph and We wait the paragraph, and then the question is, was it divine grace? Was it his ability to say no? 
because uh, we're going to say it in a few words. And this is <coughs> very much, and why I love the Torah so much. I'm adding so much Midrash, by the way, because it doesn't say so much. It just sets it up, which allows the characters to have such ambivalence which I'm a big believer, and this goes back to Jack Miles and his uh, biography of God, which is, let these characters be ambivalent. Let these characters be complicated. Joseph is an incredible, Jacob, incredibly complicated character. Joseph, I mean, if we read it through the eyes of just uh, traditional uh, straight read, he is the most pious, wise, always doing the right thing. And I'd love to see the ambivalence in part because I think that's the human character. So let's read a little more. Oh, oh, good. Verse 8. I get to do trope again with you. So after all this, after what? <laughs> after what? So let me give you one. This is in the Hadith. This is in uh, the Midrash of the Quran and in our uh, Midrash. Women, uh, Potiphar's wife in Midrash is called Zulaika. She's known as this in the Hadith and in the Quran as well, Zulaika. And Zulaika was just in love with Joseph, but wanted, so the challenge is, was he trying to get back at Potiphar? Was she using her, gar, you know, her head of the house? Or she just needed him, wanted to possess him, wanted to own him. And Zulaika is the most Yang-like feminine character. I'm just saying, I, I do find the gender kind of reversals in this story and Esther comes back in this story as well with this in that it is very convoluted so why after these things oh this midrash so the women are out in the courtyard cutting oranges this is later this is a medieval this is a medieval period uh, story of Joseph which Thomas Mann picks up on by the way which is Joseph and his brothers you guys know yes so good they're cutting oranges. Do you know this? Anybody know this midrash? These women are cutting oranges and they see Joseph walk by. <laughs> and they're so enamored with him that they cut their thumbs and they start to bleed into the oranges and don't know it. And thus you have the origin of the. Not amazing. <laughs> I, I've done this story and I should have served you guys mimosa but <laughs> yes absolutely right and you know it in those gardens those are beautiful gardens and I'm just impressed that you know Fleur, Fleur de Mal isn't that the lingerie story I don't know I just saw the ice cream and I happened to look I don't know it's just good font I like the font <laughs> And all I can note. think of is Zumbala, 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 Zumbala Laika. Oh, is that from that? <laughs> no. Tumbala. Tumbala. There's a note yes. here Uh-oh. that says that Potiphar might have been a eunuch. That's why I was wondering about that. Oh. Yeah, I it says it, on, on page 221, uh, Ceres Paro. The noun Ceres means either a eunuch or an official. Potiphar's wife's attraction to Joseph and her attempted seduction of him might seem different if her husband were understood to be a eunuch. Oh, for sure. And I think he got fat. He paid attention to nothing but the food he ate. So Potiphar clearly was ignored. Now, now we could talk real life. Sometimes couples in this 
time of life ignore the beautiful reason that they came together and he is definitely doesn't have his eye on the ball he sees Joseph and Joseph's in charge of everything except for his loaf but this is the setup but this is the setup and this is really where and this is just beautiful I mean you could teach ethics to adolescents in this way so clearly like Joseph has every reason to go for this their marriage is a mess do you know what I mean like oh my god the husband's such such bleh and Potiphar's wife Zuleika is, is just there and she's so beautiful and what's Joseph doing and, and, and why not and why not so so she looked up. El Yosef. She looked up? Well, she looked up at him. Now, what that means, but she's, look, she's, she's not just looking up. Could she have been in bed? Look, well, look at the next line. Right, what does it say? What's the next line? Right before verse 7. Lie with me. So where is she? She's in bed. Oh, really? She's like. <laughs> she looks up. Hey, hey. <laughs> and not just and not just lie with me Shikva, have sex with me give oh, me your progeny give, now now I want to loop back to the story that we never want to talk about because Abraham is supposed to be so pure and perfect <laughs> it pans off Sarah twice mm-hmm. to the Egyptian king to try to get royalty into the Hebraic system that union, that merger. They know God's good. So now, don't think of Potiphar's wife as just being, um, uh, well, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was going to say Catherine Deneuve. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Julia Pinochet. Who were those guys? Balance Tampoc, those guys, the French. What? <laughs> she was unsatisfied, but she also could have been a political genius here, which is her husband's a eunuch. Yeah. She's trying to get power and positioning. So I read this tale very different. And now I'm just trying to unpeel the onion for you. So who's in power? Who's not in power? Right? I mean, and this is why the Esther story, it's got nothing on this. Because it's much more elegant. It's just a much more elegant uh, text. But her husband could have been a eunuch. Could you marry a eunuch? Or was he eunuchized after they got married? Well, he's also, I, I agree with you. I don't think he is a eunuch, but he's head of all the eunuchs. Now, the head of all the eunuchs, to look at Joseph and be like, yeah, that's okay. You be, uh, what was it, Gregory Hines? You be Gregory Hines. Go in there in my house. Like, come on. There's something. Right. <clears throat> so either he's adult or he's setting it up too. Which, then I go back, oh my God, am I, is any time, are you guys like, what, what? I believe that back in the first chapter of Genesis, when Abraham allows them to, and then God breaks it up, then you have the next chapter of Exodus, where Moses is the prince of Egypt, but he's adopted and all that. The double play that he is both adopted and potentially the child of the Egyptian king, in our more tribalist notion, we can't think that way. But in a more reconstructionist progressive notion, you can think, absolutely, I am the son of kings. So the iron, it's a much better story. If you think about a narrative structure, that he was adopted, but he truly was 
the real son. And then Ramses is fighting with his fake brother, but it's not really his fake brother. It's his real brother. And in fact, he's the one who should be king of Egypt. But we can't read it that way. Don't read it that way. The rabbis forbid it. There's a trade going on between the Absolutely. And who was the intermediary of that? Who were the Jews? The Midianites. The ones, the Ishmaelites. Yes. It's, it's, I think it's um, divinity versus um, royalty. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Perhaps. So the, the Hebrews, they bring in the divinity and, and, and the Egyptians need it more than they have because they have so many gods. The more you have, the more powerful you become. And then the, the, uh, the Hebrews, the peasants, they needed royalty become higher. So that's a co-option. That co-op, that kind of union is so frightening to us. I mean, we're talking about our enemies. And yet, if we look at civilization, we exchange. Royal families have done this for centuries. Yeah. Mix for various reasons. Yeah. Territory, wealth. Oh, don't we know it? Now, I want you to look at first Hebrew. I don't care if you uh, know Hebrew or not, although I do. Hebrew is so important. It's so important. Okay, verse 8, first word. V-y-ma-en. Now, first, third word on verse 8 in the English. Refuse. Refuse. Now, I want you to see on top of the Ma'en, do you see on top of the Aleph, the one, two, three, fourth letter? Do you see that trope? That's a Tlisha. It's only used four times. Anybody Torah readers here? Mickey, do you know the Torah? Do you see how, do you see it? It is a very rare, it goes up four times. That's how he refuses. So now I'm asking, not what the text is saying, but what is the trope saying when he refused? If you wanted to... Big time. Refuse big time. Repeat it. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. Or, okay, that's one. A thousand times, yes. And that shows his stourness. And actually, the Midrash, you know what it says? It says, he dug... (laughs) The dead cat's version. He basically stuck his hands into the ground (laughs) and tried to get himself calm by thinking of his father and his father berating him and saying you won't be on the shield of the 12 tribes if you do this what kind of boy are you (laughs) this is what he's doing because remember she's lying lie with me I mean this is really so that is one that it's a repeated that's a good midrash there's another one that's even but back to this ambivalence I mean he's willing to be Right, and he's the head of the household. Right, Mrs. Robinson. It's absolutely Mrs. Correct. Say it again. He's honorable. Yes, this is virtue, and it's when no one is looking. He's a virgin. I well, that's so. The other v'yimayin is v'yimayin. Yeah, Jesus loves you know than more than you will know. It is terrifying. And he can lose his and this is what you're hearing is rationales in the next couple of lines, but in that moment. And this again back to adolescence, I teach this with my older high school kids. 
it is a really challenging moment. And it's in private. The Midrash says that everybody is off at the Nile overflowing festival, so everyone is empty, no one is there. They're, right, all the metaphors are there. That's well, where virtue really shows when no one's looking. He's got to be a little afraid of consequences. I mean, he's, you know, he did get thrown into a hole. It's not, it's not like, you know, it's not like he's always... Wait, you easy. look, Zuleika, my master gives no thought to what's in his house. Meaning, I know he's a schmo. I know, I know he's, a, he, he's a eunuch. If not physically, then up here. There... And nowhere, and there's nobody more important. He's given me the keys to the Cadillac. Is that still a, verb, a term, Cadillac? Okay, sorry. Uh, other than you, because you're his wife. I mean, does he really have to say this? So why is he saying it? He's saying it to himself. He's saying it to himself. Don't be a schmo. How could I do this? Ah. How can I do this great evil? But then the, then the tag. And I've sinned against God. That's the addition. The rest of it is a story that it's as old as time itself. The addition of God in here is, hey, this has nothing to do with no one cares, no one knows, my husband doesn't know, no one's going to care. This is about me. And notice, Elohim comes here. This is a more general uh, ver- ver- aspect of divinity that's like, this just upsets the balance of the universe. Adultery. This is not just about what it does to you and does to me. This is uh, kind of a moral fabric that while all intents and purposes, everybody's going to be all right here, it's not all right. So that's why, it's, so that we have two sides, the Babylonian and then the Eretz Yisrael, which is, you know what? I am not for this. This is not my embodied self. And this is why Adonai, not Ito, Adonai et Yosef. Joseph was guarded. If you want to pursue the initial linkage that you had in verse 2 about Joseph and the divine yes. being co-equal or yes. coincident, so, then... When you're sinning against God, you're also sinning against yourself. No question. Right? No question. And this is also, and I think if you look back at the Abraham stories as well, our God is not a sex God. It's just, it's clear as day throughout our liturgy that we don't have fertility rituals and we don't have the kinds of sensuous nature that Egypt and a lot of different Canaanite religions, you know, when we say that God neither slumbers nor sleeps Saturday morning, it's agricultural, but it's also, it's also this, we do not have to awaken our gods of spring by having little bunnies and Ishtar, uh, Easter. You know why you have bunnies and eggs? It's a fertility ritual. And they would go to the temples and they would have temple... So this is an underlying theme that is very erotically charged, but that's not about God. And in fact, this moment, I think, is a really noble moment, which is, and how do you have that aha? Because it's, uh, it's not easy to withstand such powerful passions. Uh, okay, isn't it a little early to be a sin against God? There were no laws here yet. Isn't that profound? 
This is before the Ten Commandments. You're absolutely right. Yeah. This is not. Is, what is Joseph thinking? What is, is it, it just seems like a misalignment of. He could say, "Look." Or an anachronism. I have a well, there's no before and after. Why is sin against God? You know. But don't you have the, the commandments after Noah and the flood? Noah. Yeah, you have the six Noahite. You do. Well, there are no tablets. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no. No, but there's no Noahite laws. But the Noahite laws. No, except flood. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it. As a different way of cutting off sexuality. Literally. Literally. Okay. So they're setting it up as a story. This is what the Egyptians do, mm-hmm. and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, okay, through Joseph, through his act of not, you, I mean, your second primal sexual mm-hmm. desires often, you know, they, they go first and foremost ahead of your head, your mind, your rational thought. But He's cleaved so closely to God that he—that's why he's beautiful because he doesn't have to act physically and immediately. He has pause. He has a pause. It's that combo. Very interesting how the amoral, as opposed to immoral. Yeah. And and I'm not sure about the Noahide covenant. I'm not sure how we'll even be aware of this. At this stage, yeah, no, one of them is adultery. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's aware that they are married, and in their marital vows, mm-hmm. right, that they other vows. It is wrong. Oh. Property. So that may be another. You might use property of another. That would make more yeah, sense. Property. I think it's. Property. I shouldn't go take property right. of somebody else. But even more, when in Rome, I figure your argument is: Look, when in Rome, I mean, oh. this is the way. Look, she says, "What do I know?" I'm the, and the Potiphar's uh, out there. This is a moral agent that says, despite all of the rules, despite all of the rules. This is divine, moral, and I like that. It is a virtuous moment. And aren't these stories all to teach us values or teach us? Ha. Huh. Yeah, so I'm of two months to property, though. I mean, I can, that would make a lot of sense to me that he says it is wrong to steal. Right. So I in every society. That. That's not how Genesis works. That's Leviticus. This is your wife, and it's adultery, but and you know. know it, it doesn't matter if it's for property or it's adultery. Yeah. He's saying no. This right. wasn't given to me. This is. But I don't know if we should give Joseph that much credit for being a good guy here, as opposed to just saying, you know, this is. That's supposed to steal, so I can get in trouble. He, he, he comes from the pits, you know, yeah. with his brothers, he was in, you know, in, in, in a horrible place, and then now he is in a house, you know, he controls, you know, the house yeah. property. He's got something, he fears he will lose. What the, that's right, yeah. this could be a real trap. But Mehmet, that's the first half, and then he also says, and then sin against God, which is a new layer. That's a new layer. Sin against God as well. So for all of the practical reasons, I could go for it or not go for it. 
I, I know how we're filleting this, this text. Now, Jody, I want to just go back to this. Isn't the point of... To at or to us. Yes. But it gives him a nobility that I don't think he deserves here. You know? Why? Why not? Yes, he's he's already equated with God. And as we look at all of these laws in Reconstructionism especially, the divine resides within each of us, not outside. I see it both ways. I, uh, frankly, I am ambivalent about these characters. And this is what I want to say, Jody. On the one hand, the Torah and, and Bible is a, a lesson in virtue and nobility and how to be where everyone else is on foreign gods, that we have the one God. On the other hand, we're a tricky people and there's a lot of ambivalence and there's just so many ambiguous moments that I could read it both and it's ways. it's not always clear. And it's, right. and it's not always clear. Is it the anti-hero or the hero? This is why I think the Cohen brothers are the high priests of the, the biblical story. How about, it, yes. how about if it's his brothers, all males, and the commute to put him in a hole? The only one who isn't mentioned or who doesn't agree with it is the mother. Is Reuben. Reuben. And what happened with Reuben? Does anybody know what Reuben did? He slept with Jacob's concubine, Zilpah. Oops. (laughs) And that removed his bachorness, his first childness, so that Joseph remembers. Now, wasn't my, it wasn't his wife, it was only his car. Uh-uh, Reuben. That's why when he got all high and mighty, people were like, really? It's like the drug tailor telling my kid not to drink, you know? like. And yet, this really adds to the layers of it. And this is why Midrash is so beautiful of these stories of, of really reintroducing um, the ambiguity. The text has ambiguity, so we can make him a hero. He's not a villain here, but is he a victim, or is he truly nobly empowered? And what I want to say is, in the traditional Yang reading, he's thinking of dead cats, and he's like, oh my God, I'm super heroic, I totally want it, but I'm not doing it. But in this other reading, that he is divine, I'm asexual here. This is not a moment that I am feeling so so torn. Because obviously the repeating of the ripped coat, I mean, you can't have a more clear kind of... Oh, but we should get to that. Well, and the ripped coat is like the ripped fabric, too. It's death. It's well, trafe. Yes. You that know that trafe? Yes. Yeah, have you ever trafe, like kosher trafe? Yes. Trafe doesn't mean meat. Trafe means ripped. Torn. Taraf, Taraf, Tarof, Taraf Yosef. And his coat was literally shredded. So this happens day after day. Unbelievable. And meanwhile, Potiphar, totally ignorant of this. And so she would sweet talk Joseph. Kedabra el Yosef. Yom, yom. Day by day. And he did not hear his plea to lie by her. Etla liot ima. To be with her. You say he didn't heed or he didn't hear? Heed. Well, I know that's the English. Melo shama, obey. So hear, but oh. obey. Okay. So shama means both hear, obey, listen. 
So he clearly heard it. So once I'd say, he came to the house to do his work. So this is where the Midrash says, back to the ambivalent part, this is where he had a little more slippage. <laughs> well, yeah, because like if it's day after day, come on, come on, come on. Every day. Tough. It's a, I mean, and it's a beautiful, it's a, it's kind of this hero's journey, but instead of this battle with, uh, uh, demons and angels and, or wars, massive wars, we're in a house. We're dealing with a domestic case. The earthy version. Hmm? It, it's the life, not, it's not the abstract wars and the big picture, it's the immediate. On one such day, he came into the house to do his work. The rabbis debate what that means, to do his work. And not one of the people of the household was there in the house. She grabbed him. Now, this is where it's clear. Now, I want to get to hashtag me, too. This is different. This is different than, hey, will you? Come on, can't you? Gross. But she grabbed, I mean, v'tafsehu babigdo grabbed his coat, his cloak. She, this is, this is more than harassment, I would say. Lemur, sleep with me, saying, as she, sleep with me. <coughs> and he left his coat in her hand. Now, vayanas yetze chutza, and fled and ran outside. Now, I, I read this as a comic moment as well as a very frightening moment. What's the comedy in it? Well, first, the role reversal for sure. But let's just think for a second. He's, he's the nurse. I mean, he's the, he's the housekeeper. And then you grab her, her coat. What's left? Nothing. <laughs> he ran outside naked. That's what I thought. Yeah. Didn't you when you read it? Absolutely. So it's kind of it's both humorous, but in this current context, I mean, I'm just trying to be super sensitive to it. In this current context, it's like I just I, I'm thinking back with uh, Dominique Strasscon. Do you remember that? Uh, and the and the and that uh, housekeeper of the hotel. She had to run outside. She's in the hallway. She doesn't know what to do. She comes to the, she runs into the, uh, the housing closet and dials the phone. Oh my God, the back and forth on that. Would have been president of France. Would have been president of France, for sure. At a very important moment. Sarkozy won that election. Anyway, that's a, I'm sorry. That was a far field. And go back earlier. Yeah. What do we know about his story? And that. And what about his clothes in particular? What do clothes represent? His status. His father's love for him. And now Potiphar as substitute. Love, substitute. He's wearing. He's got the epaule. Uh, what do you call it? Epaulets. Ketonet pasim. No. Bigdo. Beged. It's katonet pasim. Katonet. Yeah. So one is a mantle. Um, although, later in the story, in the pit, it is bigdo. It's, it's both clothes. Beged is clothes. Um, but you, you just feel it. She's, ha, ah, ah. 
Vayanas, and he fled, and Yanus, the, I, I won't go there, Yanus is also um, uh, raped. Yanus in Hebrew is also raped. So Midrash. Yeah, any Hebrew speakers? Anyway. The, so anyway, it's very important to know the, the double entendre there. So when you grab, so this question of was this uh, rape or was it a near miss? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she's using power as an other typically use power. Mm-hmm. But wherever he is, whether it's in the house of, of the king or so on, or in the prison, he rises to top leadership. Yes. From the pit to the top mm-hmm. at a moral arbiter. Now, I'm so sorry that our time has... Um, wow. Forgive me. Because um, we'd want to do Misha uh, Berach. There are so many in our community, uh, and I'll make that visit uh, immediately. Um, and, uh, and yet I want to I, I conclude here for a moment to see gender reversal not in the kind of uh, intersectionality debate of man-woman but in empathy and really trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes and to understand the current uh, climate here not from a sense of drama or Hollywood that I'm reading here with you but also in a context of humanity and our own dignity and our own divinity within each of us and the challenges that each of us face within a climate that is uh, so polarizing that Joseph, and I think Isaac and Abraham, that uh, I didn't think it was going to end here, but here we are, that circumcision, in a way, uh, to take the most sensitive parts of who we are as men and to say God is right there is not a small thing. And therefore, I believe, uh, I'm a big advocate, not uh, for Jews especially, that ritual circumcision isn't just something that's willy-nilly out of nowhere, but it is a way for us to put our divinity and our sexuality very close to one another and very distant from one another simultaneously. And the story uh, can be treated lightly, but you know, like a good shallow deep. I'm shallow deep. It seems like a light joke, but deep down there's a just so much going on and I'm always so so privileged to learn with you guys it's uh it really makes Shabbat so special